Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with me another Monday evening where we have the opportunity to reflect into this great call that we have to witness to our faith. If you are a faithful listener to this radio program, you uh, know well that uh, we are talking the stuff of vocational life, um, and we have shifted from marriage and what it means to be a husband and uh, father and, and mother and wife to the diaconate. Uh, last week, I had the honor of having Deacon Steve Swartz from St. John the Baptist Catholic Church with me. And uh, this week, we are going to continue our conversation and dialogue with the diaconate with a recently ordained deacon, uh, Paul Sabin. So, Paul, it is great to have you with me this evening. Great to be here, Joe. So it's been, what, three and a half months? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot to share now. Steve has been a deacon for much longer, but it is in that contrast, Paul, that I find last week's program and this week's program most interesting, because here you have a man of God who's been ordained for, what, what 25 years now, you yourself just a few months. So that being said here, Paul, what I want to do um, out of the gate is uh, not so much initially talk about these past two and a half months, we'll get there. But uh, something similar to last week, you know, there's a lot of positive feedback as it relates to, you know, Steve sharing his story. Some people had actually contacted me, you know, are you having Paul? Are you going to have him tell his story? And absolutely. So uh, maybe, Paul, you can get us going with talking a little bit about that initial tug that the Holy Spirit uh, pulled on your heart with as it relates to opening you up to the diaconate program. Well, I think... In a word, it was the next logical step. Mm. Uh, for me, it was a, kind of a continuing evolution of my spiritual life. Going way back, beginning with growing up Catholic, went to church on Sundays, but through high school and college, it was a part of my life, but it never was my life. Mm. And through early adulthood, marriage, early children, there were a couple of key events that seemed to happen that seemed to bump me down the road spiritually, a a, a very important um, spiritual retreat that I did in San Diego opened me up to the possibility of deepening the faith and deepening my faith. And it came about as a result of other people serving, other Mm -hmm. people serving me on the retreat, other people praying for me while I was on this retreat. People I didn't even know were praying for me on this retreat. And the idea of serving Mm -hmm. um, became a bigger part of my life. And that continued to evolve through a variety of formations, a lay formation group, and became more and more involved in the church. And the question came to me, have you ever considered being a deacon? It's interesting that Deacon Steve Schwartz, who was on last week, was a dermatologist. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm also a dermatologist, and I replaced him in the practice, and (laughs) so it just seemed like the next logical step that I would follow him into the diaconate. But in fact, it wasn't quite like that. It was more a question, have you ever considered it? And at the time, it kind of floored me because I really hadn't considered it. And as I found out more about what a deacon is and what he does, all the things in my life that had all my training, everything that I had been doing, all of what I felt to be a talent that I might possess, 
would be served well in that capacity. So it was really opening my eyes. That question opened my eyes to God really saying, these are the gifts that I've given. Mm. Here's, here's what I'd like you to do. Yeah. And, and um, it took a while to say, to say yes to that. It's interesting, Paul. One of the things that has become a real focal point on this radio program, just not on Monday, but collectively each and every night of the last few months, has been this emphasis of recognizing Christ in the gospel, asking questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been noting that when, when you go through the gospel, it's a fascinating thing to see that, you know, Christ is asked over 300 questions. And in response to those questions, he asks a question. So he asks over 300 questions to the questions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he also asks another 180-some questions within parables and within his storytelling. To ask a question is to provoke. To ask a question is to invite. To ask a question, I think, at its heart is to encourage the encounter. Mm-hmm. And as I hear you talking, I, I do hear the question encouraging your encounter with Christ. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And this is why, collectively, we need to be thinking about asking those who we see who might be that fit, <laughs> you know, as it relates to, you know, vocational life, religious life, priesthood, to, you know, to ask those questions. So you had mentioned, Paul, a formation group. Maybe you can mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. I'm somewhat familiar with it, but... Certainly. It's a, it's a lay formation group called the Disciples of Jesus and Mary, and it's a program that helps to deepen the spiritual life through three phases. One, the initial phase being uh, prayer. How mm-hmm. do you pray? Yeah. What do you pray? Uh, when do you pray? How do you do it? The second phase is really um, discernment. How to properly discern issues. Are they coming from a good place? Are they coming from a bad place? Mm-hmm. Is this right? And not only is it is it a good thing, or but is it the good thing for me now? Is mm-hmm. it what God wants? Mm-hmm. Now, and not discerning between good and bad necessarily, but between good and God's will. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, discipleship, how to live that out. Um, uh, figuring out who, what God has a plan for you, figuring out what God's plan is, mm-hmm. and how to live that out the mm-hmm. best. And through that, it kind of gave me an inkling of those skill set, if you will, but of those things that I had in possession that I might be able to serve better the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve had talked about last week in his initial prompting, it was people serving him and how that opened him up to then want to and desire to serve them back, to mm-hmm. give something in return. And I think that's what I'm hearing now. You know, you talk about the good and, uh, you know, discernment. It, it is important to note that every Every good is not a willed good. There's lots of goods out there. Mm-hmm. Being a deacon is a good thing, but is, is it the good thing for you? you know, asking yourself that question. And I think for our listening audience out there, Paul, we need to be mindful of this. Yeah, this whole reality of talking about discernment and putting it in the context of not every good is a willed good really draws out the nature of discernment, huh? Because we are made to understand what we are called to do, just not based upon who we are and what we do, but who we are and how God is calling us to be greater sons of God. So we're called to empty ourselves. Yes, certainly, as you note, he will use our gifts and talents, and I think you speak to it well there, Paul, you know, how your gifts and talents will be poured into uh, your service. But to a greater extent, we could say 
And not only does he call us to pour gifts and talents into our service, but at the same time, does he call us to empty ourselves and look in the mirror and, uh, you know, ask ourselves, you know, what are we about? Who are we? Is what I'm doing right now what God is calling me to do? And to be able to look at how we are serving God and say, okay, Lord, what is the one thing or the two things that you are specifically specifically calling me to do? You know, so often we find ourselves, Paul, in this trap of seeing a great number of things as God's will. But because not every good is a willed good, we want to shrink that down and say, okay, what are the one or two things that you want me to do? And that's what drives our discernment. That's what drives our understanding. Mindful that the word itself, discernment, comes from a Latin root that literally means uh, to come to understand. So, Paul, you have this initial prompting. You begin the process. What was that like for you? The process began in terms of talking to our pastor. Mm -hmm. How do I go about something like this? And he led me through the the application process, which was a lengthy process, and the formation process um, all totaled is about seven years, so five years of formation, but two years of discernment applications and um, jumping through various hoops to do, sure. do the work. Um, the formation itself, yes, y- you, you do classes and you learn theologic points, but there's a much more deeply rooted formation of the person. And I think for me, that was the biggest surprise uh, during the formation of the diaconate was it was a an idea of the deacon not being necessarily um, something that you do, but rather the diaconate being who you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not the human doings, but the human beings. Exactly, yeah, and, exactly right. You know, and yeah, you you go through what is it? A, the actual formation. What I think Steve said is a, a four year process, right? Is that? Yeah, it, it's a four year process with a one year um, discernment or okay. introductory years, so to speak. The the additional years that I was speaking of were just application yeah. process, yeah. But you had made a point there, I think this is really important, Paul, as it relates to, yeah, you study theology, but it's something deeper, and, and what we find when we enter into any kind of formation like that is, in studying theology, we discover over time that when you study about God, it is not an abstract discipline. There's a tendency to see philosophy and theology in abstract terms. But in reality, both philosophy and theology uh, help us better understand who we are. So I love that you make that point. Yeah, you study theology, but it's not just about studying the externals. It's about studying the interior life. What does it mean to study this aspect of Jesus Christ or that doctrine? Well, what it means is essentially how to better understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I love the words of uh, John Paul too, that when we study philosophy and theology, he gives us the full vision of man. How are we called to become the best version, as Matthew Kelly would like to put it, the best version of who God is calling us to be? And that's why it's so important for deacons like yourself, Paul, to go through that formation so as then to be disposed to serve as God is calling you to serve. Again, mindful that the word deacon in its original Greek means, you know, to serve. So, ordination day, Mm -hmm. June 28th, 
Am I right on that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So why don't you share with us, Paul, what made that day so memorable and such a rich experience for you? Oh, the um, well, the ordination was an incredible experience. That's yeah. um, it, it was uh, it was an event. It was a main event. It was an event where there were a lot of invited people. We use the term invitation, and in fact, um, part of that invitation was a good deal of struggle for a lot of people that were close to me who wanted mm. to come to the thing. And it was mm. interesting that I could see that they got the sense that this was heavy, that there was something big that was about to happen to Paul. This is our friend since whenever that we've known him since, or he was my son or, or a family member. And some of them uh, really did not want to embrace that heaviness. Others were kind of on the fringe and did, and others came without hesitation. Mm. And I'll say to a person, anyone who was there felt the weight of that, um, that right. It mm. was filled with the Holy Spirit, three hours of constant changing movement, mm. prayer, like I say, infused with the Holy Spirit. It was just, a, in, in a word, a grace-filled experience. And it was interesting, during the ordination, I had come with what I thought was a set of talents, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of which gets quickly washed away yes, yeah, <laughs> as yeah. you realize that that pales in comparison to what you're staring at. Yeah, yeah. And as, as the ordination was occurring, all of that was washing away, and I just felt filled with this incredible sense of grace mm. that was empowering, that it was like, that's, that's fine that you were called because you thought you were a good fit, but you're really called because... I think he, I can work with you. <laughs> yeah, but God uses that too. I mean, mm-hmm. God meets us how he makes us. You know, he meets us where we're at in understanding, and he slowly and surely, and he takes you by the hand and slowly and surely guides you um, through the process. But being able to then, I think, see that, Paul, is beautiful. And being there, I can again test to uh, the merriment and the celebration and, and the feasting. It was truly beautiful. Uh, and I have to say, Paul, I don't know if I've shared this with you, but I'll share it with you now that um, maybe the most touching moment alongside, of course, seeing you up on the altar as you were uh, chosen after the, the group had casted lots at who was going to serve <laughs> at the bishop. That was great. But uh, we had Steve Swartz with us last week. And part of the right is for you to ask someone to vest you. And uh, to see him vest you was... Uh, moving it was a it was a tremendous sense of uh completion mm-hmm. and of of passing on and of uh of true friendship yeah. really just a bond there that i think is uh remarkable yeah you had mentioned something earlier as it relates to you know your practice you're a dermatologist and uh, yeah, I mean, okay, Steve was a dermatologist and he became a deacon and then you're you take <laughs> over his practice and but you had mentioned friendship there, Paul, and I think that's so important that the the continuity just isn't you know taking over someone someone's practice and you know becoming a deacon because this is what he did. I mean that's the external stuff, but really the continuity is about what what is on the inside, mm-hmm. and uh, that's I think what for me from the outside looking in, if you will, seeing him vest you was uh, so touching that there was a, a deeper thing going on obviously, and, and certainly that friendship is what that continuity uh, was all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly we have our commonalities, and yet we're, our, our individual paths have been very, very different and continue to be different, but uh, it was nice to share in that. Yeah, mm-hmm. amen. 
So you're ordained here, Paul. You're, you're ordained in Sacramento. Uh, you come back, and it's been three and a half months. Could you talk a little bit about that, what that's been like for you? Grace-filled mm-hmm. is the only mm-hmm. word that I can think mm-hmm. of. And, mm-hmm. you know, in conversation with people who hadn't seen me since ordination, how, how, are, how is it going? How are you doing? What types of things are you up to? Or um, uh, what does it feel like? And, and in a word, I feel blessed. Mm-hmm. I feel blessed to be a part of that. Um, but I think to a greater extent, it's been an exercise in relying on the graces given to me sacramentally. Mm. And that goes even past the ordination. I mean, I have a greater sense of the graces in the Eucharist, uh, the graces in reconciliation, uh, just the ability to rely on those solidly mm. uh, and practically yeah. in, in day-to-day life has been a, a just a gift, yeah. a real gift. The theme for this Monday, in each and every Monday, is is witness. Mm-hmm. I want to highlight something here, Paul, that I'm being made to think about, and, and that's the yes, how the yes in of itself is the great witness. I mean, Mary witnesses to us first and foremost in her yes to God. And I, as I have watched you in these last three and a half months, belonging to the same parish, of course, um, I see your yes, and that yes witnesses to me whether it's serving at the morning mass, whatever it may be, uh, that yes is, I think, the most profound witness that we can give, just more collectively speaking as it relates to um, our journey of faith. Paul, have you had an experience where uh, you kind of uh, asked yourself, you know, did they prepare me for this? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't know if I signed up for this. <laughs> you were just talking about the grace you receive. <laughs> Has that grace yeah. been challenged? <laughs> it's been relied upon, yeah, yeah. certainly. It was a couple Sundays ago, actually, that yeah. I was preparing for Mass late on a Sunday, and um, I got a phone call. Um, there was a girl who had gone missing, and the family had not found this missing girl, and they were going to have a prayer vigil. Mm. Several people who were setting up through a weird set of circumstance, they didn't have the pastor that they thought to lead the prayer vigil. One of the members was from our parish and knew that I had been recently ordained. Let's give Paul a call. Mm. And so the phone rings, and they said, would you mind leading a prayer vigil? Um, There will be a number of people in family praying for peace and praying for the return of our daughter. Mm. I can assure you that there was no preparation whatsoever for an event like this in our yeah. formation. Yeah. It's not a rite. It's not a, it, it was whatever you want to do. And I asked if they had any type of form that they wanted to follow. And they said, whatever you can bring. Mm. So we went to the vigil formation. This was after mass on Sunday evening. And it was candlelight. So it was late, late in the evening. And we began with an opening prayer. Um, we had some prayer intentions. Uh, we read from the gospel. Mm. We sang some songs, people offered more intentions, a lot of tears, and interestingly, there was a moment I wanted silent prayer. And so um, as the silent prayer was going on, I kept getting a nudge from my wife, Erica, who was also attending at my side. And this kind of brings the the idea in the diaconate that really you're not your diaconate couple. Mm -hmm. There's a tremendous amount of support that needs to come from the wife. She was right there by my side, and when the moments were kind of quiet, she started poking, you know, and we began to sing a song. Mm, mm. Uh, But after that, Erica felt moved and started speaking, and these words just flowed beautifully Mm. and touched, in particular, the women that were at that vigil. Uh, Afterwards, they were talking to her for some time, and 
nothing could have prepared me for that. Mm. So, uh, it, or let me say that I wasn't formally prepared for something yeah, sure. like that. But uh, spiritually, it was a yes. Yeah. And and um, the yes of time. When am I going to, you know, okay, fine. But it, it was such a moving event that, again, strengthening the idea that the Holy Spirit's behind all of it, strengthening um, us, the people at the vigil, Erica, strengthening our marriage, everything mm. that was touched was strengthened yeah. that night. As you're talking there, you talk about formation, Paul. You know, uh, John Paul II, when he was talking about uh, the new evangelization on one occasion, when he went back to Mary, and while talking about her, yes, he talked about what he called the interior attitude of faith, which essentially is being disposed to respond to God. It is to be in relationship with God, but not yet in action. That is to say, you have to be ready to say yes. You have to be disposed. And and this goes back to uh, maybe the spiritual formation that we were talking about earlier, huh? This being formed in Christ, and so that your relationship with Christ is seen for what it should be, and ultimately then in turn disposes you in these moments to respond the way God is is uh, calling you to respond. And I think that's beautiful. You had mentioned Erica there, and you talked about uh, her role, and even how this has already strengthened uh, your marriage. Could you speak more to that, Paul? Because I do think that um, in the world of the diaconate, uh, that can never be talked about enough, the sacrifices being made by the wife, Mm -hmm. um, especially as you talk about (laughs) these kinds of calls that you received, and praise God for your yes there too, Paul. But what, what, what what could you say to that part of it? I would say that the entire formation was geared toward the husband and wife team. In fact, Eric is required to write a letter to the bishop annually mm. uh, approving uh, my service in the diaconate during the formation period. Mm. And so um, she was at all of the formation meetings, uh, you know, the monthly um, weekend meetings. And now that we're involving into ministry and the adult uh, confirmation class that's going on right now, we, we teach that jointly. Mm-hmm. I'll be at work. She's getting the the food and the and the and the copies together, uh, and um, it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it really works. And so, again, relying on the sacrament, relying on the ordination sacrament, but also relying on the sacrament uh, of uh, holy matrimony, strengthens the whole thing. I mean, yeah. it just really brings that out. Well, for our uh, listening audience, Paul, I'll give full disclosure, uh, as of course you know. I, I was asked to be a part of the diaconate formation and teach you and your classmates, and, and all I can say, it was before anything else, a, a great honor. Mm-hmm. And uh, watching the wives, you know, being in front of the class and uh, teaching, I think, what, uh, I think the weekends I was there on Scripture and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, St. Paul, Paul's mm-hmm. epistles, seeing the wives there, many of the wives were there present uh, for those weekends, and how they were engaged I was touched. I was moved. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt maybe even at times the wives are more engaged than the husbands. No, no, no. <laughs> no, but they were very much engaged. In fact, in, in some cases, if I had uh, asked for an assignment, uh, they also did the assignment. And so, yeah, you see the formation going on because their hearts have to be prepared as well. Right. I want to go back to the formation as, as you were talking there. I know, Paul, you had a unique experience in the uh, area of prison ministry. That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. And could you speak to that and maybe how that helped prepare you for this aforementioned disposition we were talking about? Absolutely. And it was a 
a pivotal moment, I would say, in the diaconate ministry. Each each year we're asked to do some form of field ministry, and that differs in its scope from year to year. And that year was service in hospital or prison. And since I'd been in hospitals previously, I I wanted to branch out to prison ministry. And it was here at the uh, Butte County Jail. And Thursday night that we would meet down there and we would go into the pods, uh, assigned to different pods in the evening. I was extremely moved, not just by the fact that I felt that the place was a giant spiritual hospital mm-hmm. in, in need mm-hmm. of these guys who were hurting, yeah. um, but very few of them were of the mind that they didn't need some help. You know, in, in talking to people on a, on a spiritual level, often the first step to get past is, what, I'm not a sinner. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need help. Watch, mm-hmm. well, you know, hey, what I'm doing is right. You do your thing, and but I'm doing my thing. But these these guys were already past that first step. Mm-hmm. They knew that they were in a hurt locker and that they needed help. And so instantly you're into that realm. Mm-hmm. And it was very edifying but moving and touching when you're in the prison. And while you bring a planned scripture or a bl- planned um, lesson, if you will, or mm-hmm. a discussion topic, how that how the Holy Spirit just kind of mm. moves that, and the feedback and the insight that I was getting back from these prisoners really, really moved me. Mm. It was it was it was difficult. It's a hard environment. Some you know they don't really have a special place. You're in the middle of the pod, and some guys are doing watching TV or you know playing ping pong or lifting weights mm. or whatever. And you got a small table of maybe six guys sitting there, another four guys at the periphery, and then there's always about five guys around who are. Who are listening but don't want you to know. Uh-huh, it, you know? Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. it's kind of an interesting dynamic to watch all of that work. But um, it was uh, uh, as 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 much spiritually enriching for me as it was. I, I hope for them. Mm, amen. You know, we often think that the opposite of love is uh, hate, but but really, it's not so much hate as much as it is fear. Mm. Now, the opposite of love is fear. You know, Romans eight fifteen. Uh, you, you have not received the spirit of slavery in which you fall back into fear, mm. but the spirit of sonship in which you cry, Abba, Father. Um, what is it that we fear? Well, we fear a lot of things. Among others is vulnerability. We mm. fear being vulnerable. And uh, I think one of the things that happens in a prison is that <laughs> the inmates have been made vulnerable, you know, because they are there. And to some extent, you talk about a spiritual hospital because of the place they find themselves in, they are open to engaging you, which I think is beautiful. And, and I certainly think that it's, it's a ministry that we need to be more involved in um, because of the poverty that is there. So, Paul, as I'm looking up at the clock, we are out of time. So thank you not only for the gift of your time here on this radio program, but as I have already noted, uh, the gift of your yes to serving not only St. John's the Baptist Catholic Church, but the larger people of God in this diocese. We are a stronger diocese uh, because of it. I don't know, Paul, if you had any uh, closing words for us and for our listening audience. The word that I have been, it's been coming to me this entire program is grace. Mm. And I think the word that I would leave your listeners with is reliance on that grace. Mm. Rely on God's grace to infuse a better knowledge of Him, so that you can serve your brother better. Amen. And 
Now, what is grace? Grace is the gratuity of God. It is what sets us apart. It is what is given to us as a gift to share in his very life and his very goodness. Um, so, amen. Let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth. Heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.